following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I am excited. I feel like it's been a long time since I've preached. It's only been a couple weeks, but... I'm excited because I'm kind of wanting to bring the, the remainder of a word that I had started to um, release a couple of weeks ago. We are, uh, as you most will remember, we're in a series where we are becoming certain of some things. We are stepping into confidence and just kind of focusing on some of the things that we feel like we need to be certain of as we move forward, as we build forward as a body of Christ. And uh, we started out, Pastor Bob started out, about the certainness of the goodness of God, that we, we know not only that God is good, but that he defines goodness, and that every good and perfect gift come from, comes from him. And this is a real key foundational piece to our connection with God, that we have this belief and this, of this truth that he is good and that he, as a good God, works all things together for our good, that that's what he's in the business of doing Amen. all the time. He's not stingy with his goodness. He's wanting to share his goodness with us. And so we need to have a certainty of that. It affects how we approach him if we don't believe and have a certainty of his goodness and of the availability of his goodness to us. We talked about um, a certainty that he loves the world and kind of this broader sense of the love of God, that not only is he good, but he expresses that goodness through love and that we need to be certain that he loves the world. There is so much hope and so much peace when I look at everything that's going on in the world and I can say, but I know that God loves this world and that his, his love is pursuing his love for the sake of love, Jesus came. And one of the things that we connect to in that certainty is the way that he loves. So we're certain that he loves and we're certain that the way that he loves and what the Bible tells us about that is through his son, Jesus. So when I am offering Jesus to people, I need to recognize I am offering them the love of God. And we can sometimes feel apologetic or we don't want to bother people with the salvation message. But what we're really withholding is the love of God because that's how he chose to express it. That's how he chose to give us access to his love. And so if we're certain of that, we can confidently and unashamedly present the gospel through our lives and in the relationships that we have, because we know that that's what love looks like. There's a lot of talk about what love looks like. We know, because of what scripture tells us, that love looks like the father sending his son. So we, we walked through that. We walked through the certainty. So God loves the world. That's awesome. We walked through needing to come into the certainty that God loves me, <laughs> that he loves me, as I am right now, and not only that does he love me, but that I am a son or I am a daughter. And that's kind of where we've been in this certainty of our sonship, 
the certainty of our position as children of God, which can become very cliche. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. But there's a reality and a certainty that we need to step into because everything else flows from that place. Everything flows from that place of recognizing our position as sons and daughters. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning um, or go a little bit deeper into that. The last time we just talked about what that means, the type of father that God is. I'd encourage you to go back over some of these weeks um, if you've missed some of these uh, because they've been good words coming from different places what the Lord's been bringing to us because he's solidifying some things for us in this season by his spirit. That's one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe, was that it is that that revelation of being a son, being a daughter, that revelation comes by the spirit. It's something that he bears witness from the inside out. And so we've been just asking the Holy Spirit to do that work, to convince us, to make us certain of that sonship, and, and to make us certain we've established he's a good father who loves well, and now I'm establishing, and that is available to me as a daughter. And so we're stepping into that reality. Last, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Bob spoke on the certainty of the sovereignty of God. That also was a good and challenging word. How many of you were here for that? That was one that I needed to listen to again because there was some really powerful truths in there that I think we needed to step into. The reality of the sovereignty of God and the trust that we can have in that. That we have, not only are we sons and daughters, but we're the sons and daughters of a sovereign God. And that the ways that he exercises his sovereignty and how, how we can come into that place of trust. So today, I want to talk about what it is that we have, what we step into when we step into the certainty of sonship. What, what does it gain us to walk from that place of really knowing that we are sons and daughters? And so there are three different things that all start with I, sort of, And we started talking about it a few weeks ago. But the three different things that we can step into when we have that confidence is identity, inheritance, and influence. And the way that I look at it and why I think it's important to not rush past it is because I think as a body, I want our declaration to be that we know who we are, we know what we have, and we know what to do with it. And that's, that's the, the, what we have when we come into this, uh, this revelation of being sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, that we know who we are. We talked quite a bit about that, that there's this reality that there's a crisis of identity going on. I think both within and without of the church, inside and outside the church, And the Lord wants to bring us back into that place where our identity is fully rooted in who he says we are. We talked about the fact that it's the Father that speaks identity. We talked about the fact that God didn't look at fatherhood and go, well, that's kind of like how I am, so I'll just make a parable about that. He actually fashioned fatherhood after his nature. 
And so the uh, earthly fathers are not uh, just a reflection of him. He's, he's the perfection of fatherhood. But we have this opportunity to walk out what it looks like on the earth. And so this was an important way that he wanted us to interact with him. It's not just a word picture. Do you get the difference between something where Jesus is teaching? It's kind of a word picture. This whole concept of, of fa- him being our father is not a word picture. It's like it's the way he set things up. Yeah. Is for us to relate to him as the source. In, in biblical times, the father's house was the, the source. It was the source of everything. It was the source of wisdom. It was the source of provision. It was the source of authority. It was the source of identity. And so this is what we're invited into, is to recognize this place of identity we have as sons and daughters. We are made in his image. He established it from the beginning with creation that I'm going to father a a species. I'm going to father humankind, and they're going to be made in my image which means I am giving them identity. I'm speaking identity to them. This is where we run into trouble when we are separated from that sense of identity. That's why it's, it's subtle, but little things like Mother Earth, it's a subtle way to remove the identity giver. <laughs> and, and now we no longer have this connection to the creator, the one who gave us identity. And so society has been working on that for a really long time. (laughs) But we are coming into this place, we have come into this place, where we have recognized our identity as sons and daughters, that we carry in us the nature of the Father and what that looks like. And our role is to introduce other people to that. But we can't do it if we don't know it for ourselves. There's a, a concept, a sociological concept from, I don't have a date, it's the early 1900s, as noted by the name of it. It's called the looking glass self. And the idea was, looking glass, so it it was old, is what I'm saying. Um, The idea was, otherwise we'd say the selfie self, probably, no. Um, The idea was that identity is formed by what I think the most important person in my world thinks about me. So this is a sociological or or a psychological concept that was widely accepted, still widely accepted, that when children are developing, their own personal identity is formed by what they, they feel or see coming from the most important person in their life, how they perceive that person sees them is how they see themselves. Does that make sense? And so what becomes apparent when we are struggling with identity, it means that he is not the most important person in my world. Because my identity is formed by what I think the most important person in my world thinks about me. And so if I'm wrestling with that, if I don't know who I am, if I'm questioning, if I'm not seeing myself rightly, it can only mean that I'm not allowing my identity to be formed by how God sees me. 
I'm allowing it to be formed by other things. We need to recognize that we are not what we've done or what we haven't done. We're not our job or our education. We're not um, our status. We're not our race or our nationality. We are what he says about us. And there needs to be this place given to the Father to give us identity so that we're not being formed by what we think the perceptions of others are. Amen? So we want to allow the Lord to speak into who we are. There's places in the word that talks about the name that he gives us. How can we connect to that practically? Because that's great to say, the Lord has an identity for me. How can I connect to that practically? How can I know who I am? Scripture is a really good place to start. We can get into the word. You don't even have to be able to hear in the moment. You can read right there what he says about you. And, and I'd encourage you to soak in that. These declarations of, you know, the thoughts that he has for you are more than could be counted. So you would never really run out of thoughts that he has about who you are. So I encourage you to take time to do that, to connect to that. I think I shared a couple weeks ago that something I've been doing every morning is trying to just connect to my sonship, because I can say sonship and not be bothered by that. I'm just connecting to my sonship when I first wake up so that before anything else, I'm just yours because I can, I can begin to form a business relationship with my father where everything is about what I can do for him or what he can do for me. And it's not just about the delight of belonging to one another. And so I try to do that in the morning. Sometimes that means I'm reading some scriptures about what he says about me. Sometimes it's me asking him a question. What is a thought that you have? And to be honest, it takes a lot of clearing. Yeah, no, that's not it. No, no, no. No, that's about dishes. No, that's about, you know, whatever. Until I can get to that place. But I'm disciplining myself to let the Father speak identity to me before I even do anything. It's really helpful because I haven't wrecked anything yet in the morning for that day. I haven't wrecked anything. I haven't done the thing I didn't want to do or said the thing I didn't want to say or not done the thing I was supposed to do or whatever. But if, I, if I'll just establish myself in that, in that place of identity. And so I'd encourage you to do that. What I think is interesting is that it, it was uh, walked out. We see how Jesus had to stay connected to that identity. Because Jesus was a son of God. I mean, he, but, but he had to become a son of man so that the sons of man could be sons of God, right? So he was a son of God who knew perfectly the identity of the Father, but he had to come and walk that out in the same way that you and I have to walk that out. That's why he had to go and pray all the time. Because he had to, as a son of man, connect to the identity of the Father. And so he showed us how to do that. 
to get away with him. That's why he could say, I only do what I see the Father doing, because he spent that time, and he goes, I'm, I am what he says I am. He made some bold claims. I wonder how long he prayed in that morning and let the Father speak identity to him before he got out there and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because that's what the Father said about him. So we want to connect to that identity. Say with me, I know who I am. All right. And I know whose I am. Amen. So identity is one aspect of sonship. Another aspect is inheritance. That as sons and daughters, we have an inheritance from the Father. And we have an inheritance like no other. (laughs) So not only are we confident in who we are, but when we are certain of our sonship, we are confident in what we have. We can give confidently when we're giving in obedience to the Father because we're confident that we are connected to the source of provision in our lives in every possible way. So Romans 8 should probably open the Bible. Romans 8, uh, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. How many of you are led by the Spirit of God? You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. How many of us leave that part out of the scripture? (laughs) For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. There is a confidence we can have even in the midst of suffering in our inheritance in him. And we don't need to focus on the suffering piece, but scripture does talk about it, that there is an aspect of of walking with him, but that it is nothing compared to the uh, inheritance that we have in him. What I want us to consider is that this inheritance, uh, we were talking about inheritance in light of the story of the prodigal son. And in that story... We have the younger son who decides, I want my share of the inheritance, and I want to leave the house of the father and go do my own thing. And what we need to recognize is the inheritance we're meant to have is not just some portion of the proceeds of the father's business. The inheritance we're meant to have is all that the father has to give. And there is a place in us that will sometimes settle and we're going to take this, I'll take this part of the inheritance and no longer dwell in the house of the Father so that we can do what we want with the inheritance. But we will find out, as that son did, that it quickly runs out. <laughs> and then there was this returning to the Father's house. 
And what's interesting is the father met him and said, yes, I always meant for you to have all. To be in the business with me. <laughs> to, to have all of the benefits of the business, not just this, this small portion. And so we want to make sure that, yes, we have this inheritance, but to have the fullness of it, we live in the father's house. We stay in the father's house. We continue to, to know the Father's heart. And, and, and this is what I think is so interesting. My guess is that the son, the son had to know the love that his father had for him to even make a demand like that. To even say, I want my, give me my inheritance, which in that day was as good as saying, I wish you were dead. He had to know the love of the Father. But the, the longer he was away from the house of the father, the more he forgot who he was in the father's heart. And so he's on his way back, and he's rehearsing his speech about, I have sinned, and just let me be a servant. And he forgot the, house, the heart of the father. And when he came back in, he was surprised and delighted that the heart of the father was open to him to restore everything back to him. This is our father. This is our confidence that we can have in who he is. But to really know his heart, we need to stay in his house. And I don't mean this house, although I do like it when you're here. I don't mean you need to go to church, although that is a really, really helpful way for us to stay connected to the heart of the father. But I mean that we stay in his presence we stay connected to his voice. We stay connected to his, his mission and what he's doing and, and the business that he's going about each day. That's what it meant for that son to return to the household was now he's going to work alongside the father in his business and what he's doing. So we have this inheritance that's even more than, than we really know what it is. It's the fullness that, of all that he wants to give us, the same inheritance that he gives to Jesus. It's the kingdom. There's a, a verse in Luke that says, don't be afraid, little flock, because it's the delight of the Father to give you the kingdom. The, the, the ways and, and the, the power of his kingdom. One of the prayers that I have as we consider the inheritance, this is the, the prayer of Paul for the Ephesians, that the God of our, Ephesians 1.18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eye, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you, towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. This is the prayer of Paul over the church. This is our prayer, that we would know the fullness of the inheritance of his riches for the sake of his glory. 
not for the sake of our glory, but that we would fully enter into the fullness of that inheritance. For some of us, we can look at a lot of different aspects of, you know, the, the word says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so we can go, what are, what are the things, well, first let's clear this up. A lot of times we talk about the inheritance being what we get in heaven, our, our being able to be in heaven, that's our inheritance. And there is something to that. That is part of the inheritance. That we get to have a confidence that because we are in Christ and because we are sons and daughters, that we get a place in the Father's house in the hereafter. (laughs) But we need to recognize that inheritance is not something we receive when we die. It's something we receive when somebody else dies while we're still living. And so there is an inheritance, a fullness of inheritance that we get to experience in this life, in this time. To some degree, for those who come to faith and they they have a true conviction of, of wanting eternal life and they say yes to God and then they go, okay, I'm good, I'll take it from here, see you on the other side. To me, that's like the son who left and said, I'll take a portion of the inheritance. It doesn't take long before that person begins to go, am I really saved? Does God really love me? Because he's left the Father's house. So we want the fullness of the inheritance. It's the things that Jesus did and said. We know that part of our inheritance is the works that Jesus did. You will do these works. So yes, that is part of our inheritance that we can step into from a place of sonship, not from a place of striving or earning. Or That's, that's where we recognize, oh, I'm not, I'm not standing in sonship right now because I'm trying to work for what has already been given to me. Other things that are inheritance to us is resources, talents, gifts, strengths, some of the things that the Lord has has given to you, ways that you represent his nature. The power of the Holy Spirit is part of our inheritance, that we can walk in, in the power over sin. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit, that sin, we have power over sin in our lives that we don't have to be a slave to that any longer because we've come into sonship and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. But the the power of the Holy Spirit works in a lot of other ways, that we can hear God, that we can have words of knowledge, that we can minister out of a power beyond ourselves, that we can expect when we walk in obedience to him that when we reach back for what we need that it's there because it's part of our inheritance. When we see somebody in bondage, that we can reach back and minister freedom because that's part of our inheritance. So the question is, what are we doing with our inheritance? Because that's the other aspect. There's other parables in the Word that talk about um, the talents 
And that the expectation is that that would be multiplied, that we would do something with that. And so we want to know who we are. We want to know what we have. Can you say, I know what I have? And we're learning every day more and more what we have. (laughs) Yes, we are. But not only do we want to know what we have, but we want to know what to do with it. And that's influence, which here and after is going to be called authority. But it starts with I to say influence. <laughs> but, but it is influence. I just think it's even more than influence. But part of that influence, one of the synonyms of influence is effect, impact, power, authority. That we have influence because we are of the Father's house. We have an authority because we are of the Father's house. We have an authority to work his work on the earth. That he has a plan, he has a purpose, he has something that he is working to an end, and we have authority to to participate in that with him and on his behalf on the earth. And we have the inheritance, so we know we have everything that we need for that, but it's what do we do with that? Our inheritance is not just so that we can feel good and, and do well and have what we want. And There's a purpose. There's an investment that the Father is making for the sake of the love he has for the world through us. And that's the influence that we're meant to have. Or authority. Authority is basically the right to use power. So part of our inheritance is power, but authority actually gives us the right to use that power. It says we can affect change with the power that we have, with what we've been given. And so obviously, we recognize that a big piece of, of what the authority was given to us for was, was uh, released in the Great Commission. Do you know that they did a study, by they I mean Barna Research Group, and only 17% of regular church attenders can say what the Great Commission is? Which I thought was interesting. Because I go, well, what are the other 83% doing? What are, what are they aiming at? What is the... What is the goal? I'm not really sure. But we know that we want to know what we're doing with the identity and the inheritance and the influence we have is we are releasing his kingdom on the earth. We are introducing other orphans to the father so that they can come into the family because his heart is set on them. And so we, we want to use that, what we've been given, to have influence. It's the purpose of that inheritance is not for us, it's to advance the mission of the Father. And we need to recognize that that is the place we're going to feel the most pleasure and the most joy as it relates to, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Whatever you do vocationally, family-wise, whatever you do, let it be grounded in advancing the mission of the Father. 
And you can do that anywhere. <laughs> in fact, he's asked us to do it everywhere. He's placed us in different spheres. He's placed us in schools and in businesses, in government, in different places, in family, to further his mission, to know who we are, to know what we have, and to use that influence on the earth. One of the pieces that we see in the story of the prodigal son that he restores to him, he, he, he gives him a robe. If you remember the story, he says, bring him the best robe, which is a lot of times looked at as like the covering for sin. Can you imagine what he might have looked like coming back to the father after hanging out in the pig pen not having eaten much, not being able to wash. And so the father covered him, covered his sin with this robe. So that's one of the aspects that we know is our, our inheritance, that there's a righteousness that he covers us in. Another piece is that he said, put a ring on his finger. And that had to do with authority, that was connected to a, an authority. There was a, it was a signet ring. And it meant he has the authority of the Father. That he can ask on behalf of the Father, and that has to be so. It has to happen. And so we need to recognize our authority, our, that that ring has been placed on our finger. We have an authority We are part of an advancing kingdom. I love, I love this. Let's look at um, Matthew 16, seven, uh, verse 17. <clears throat> this is where uh, Peter was having a good day. Peter was saying the right thing for a change. And Jesus said to him, because Peter made the proclamation, you are the Christ. He made that declaration of who Jesus was. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is speaking to this authority that, the God, that God has released to the church, to those that believe, to those that make this declaration that Peter made. He was Simon just moments before. Now he's Peter. That, that there is, there is a, an authority to bind and to loose. The other piece that I think that's so important for us to recognize where it says, I will build my church, which isn't an organization. It isn't an institution. It's his people being fashioned together. I will build that. And it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We often look at that as we're going to be under attack and, but they, it won't overcome us. 
But gates don't attack. Gates are the, the defensive part against an offensive attack. And we need to recognize that we are part of an advancing kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that is, that is the kingdom of God that is advancing on the earth. We are not in a defensive posture. In fact, the church has lost its sense of authority because it has taken a defensive posture. It has begun to react rather than to respond to the voice of the Father who said, you are, the government shall be on his shoulders and of its increase there will be no end. His government is increasing and advancing and we need to make sure that when we are looking to overcome, we aren't coming from a defensive posture. We're coming from an advancing posture. From the time that Jesus came, the kingdom was advancing. We have an authority to see that make a difference on the earth. When we step into the family business, what, what God had ordained from the beginning which we had a whole thing on Genesis that we're just going to miss. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So we want to recognize our authority. And what are some practical ways that we can utilize that? With our voices. That there, we can, with our voices in prayer, pray the heart of the Father. Speak the things that the Father is speaking. I think we need to consider what we use our voices for. Because <laughs> there's a lot of talk going on about everything that's going on. But we have an ability to speak in with our voices to speak the heart of the Father and what he's doing on the earth. And again, we can pull that from scripture, but we can pull that from just coming to him and saying, what are you doing in this? If we're spending more time watching the news than we are reading the word, I can understand why we would feel a little under it. But there is something in connecting to the household of the father, (laughs) Because the household of the father is prospering. The household of the father has has a plan. The household of the father has provision. It has power. And that's the authority that we get to walk in. Can you say, I know what to do with what I have? All right. So Lord, we thank you that you are... Uh, giving us a confidence in our sonship so that we know who we are, that our identity is rooted in what you have said about us, what you've created us to be, and what you've recreated us to be in our born-again experience. We ask that we would connect to that identity. We thank you that we know what we have, that we know that we have the fullness of the kingdom as our inheritance that we get everything that Jesus gets because of your great mercy and your generosity. 
Would you continue to, to show us and give us confidence in what we have access to, the provision, the power that we have access to? And Lord, we thank you that we know what to do with what we have. Would you continue to guide us in stepping into the authority and the influence that we're meant to have right where we are in this time? We thank you, Lord, that we, the, the ring is always on our finger. We don't have just authority inside the church, but not out there. There is an authority that we have in every area of our lives to usher in, to bring in what you want to see happen on the earth by your spirit. So Lord, we want to connect to that. We want to take that, um, that authority and use our voices, use the way that we live our lives to see your purpose and your plan come to pass. Thank you for the revelation of sonship. We thank you that your spirit continues to bear witness with our spirit so that we can connect to our identity, our inheritance, and our influence on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.